0: What's up, everybody? Today, we raid Party City again for alien masks. Captain Picard has FOMO. We see Worf's idea of sex. And we ask the question, what would you do with the power of the Q? Stay tuned.
1: Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice.
0: Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice, today we are reviewing season one, episode nine, entitled Hide and Cue. Um, and I love a good cue episode, so I was excited about this one. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode was written by Gene Roddenberry and Maurice Hurley, directed by Cliff Bowl, and the star date is 41590.5. What are your overarching thoughts on this episode before I get into the plot summary?
1: Yeah, um, my big thoughts in this episode were um, <laughs> in the beginning when when Q kind of comes on the scene. My big thought was, oh no, not the space net again! I thought, oh, this is this is gonna be bad. Um, and I also thought at one point in the show, oh no, we've raided Party City again. So I kind of had some <laughs> some kind of like flashbacks in this episode to previous. Episodes that we yeah. didn't super love, those things. Yeah, um, I do feel like this episode was was kind of like a throwaway episode. In that, we don't really find out more about any of the characters, like any of the back mm-hmm. the characters, maybe their backstories, their passions, their values, things like that. But to be fair, we don't really find that out about anybody for a c- couple more episodes. I think it's something that gets um, shown over time. And so um, this episode, I feel like, had a lot of potential. We could have really dug into the kind of man that Riker is. Yeah. We could have dug into the kind of man that Picard is. Um, and I just feel like we, they, they missed the mark just a little bit. What about you? Your overall thoughts?
0: You know, I feel sort of the same. Um, Q is my favorite character. For those of you who've listened to a couple of our episodes, might already have heard me say that a few times. But I'm always really excited when Q comes on screen. But I had sort of like a roller coaster of emotions because I went, ooh, Q is on this episode. And then I went, Oh, this is like that really dumb episode. That's Q's. I was like, Ooh, Q. Oh, this is that one. Um, yeah, I agree. Like, I feel like this episode overall was going in one direction. And then the writers halfway through went, Oh wait, we have a different idea. Let's go in a different direction because Mm -hmm. it seems like a very disjointed episode without like a clear storyline. Um, and yeah, you're right. I, Like
1: encounter at Farpoint, right? The last time we saw Very much. Mm-hmm.
0: Very much. Yeah. It was, it was sort of all over the place. They were on the planet. They were off the planet. They were back on the planet. They were back off the planet. It's like, it just kind of was all over the place. So it's definitely not one of my favorite episodes. And you're right. Like this episode could have really dug into Riker's character and like mm-hmm. learned more about who he is. And I think Riker has universally been a beloved character just a real fan favorite mm-hmm, definitely um and he's just really unlikable for me in the first season because
1: mm-hmm. he's
0: just extremely one-dimensional like he's mm-hmm. just about duty and that's it and he's and, pretty
1: rigid and yeah. you really see that come across in this episode you see the lack of dimension in this specific episode which kind of stars him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and really as we get to know him and love him in later episodes and in later seasons, if you look back on this episode, you're like, that's not the Riker I know and love at all. Mm-hmm. So it's really like an out of character uh, episode. So I'm really, really glad they took his character in a different direction because mm-hmm. he was just so like, ugh. <laughs> in this episode. Totally. All right. So before we go much farther, let's get a little plot synopsis or a little plot summary of Hyde and Q. So Q interrupts an urgent Enterprise rescue mission to play a game and tempts Riker by endowing him with extraordinary powers. Riker promises not to use his powers, then faces temptation almost immediately. So the Enterprise is giving us, it, the captains, it starts with the Captain's Log as usual, and they're en route to save some colonists from a disaster, and they give this little throwaway mention to the fact that they've just dropped off Counselor Troy at some conference.
1: Mm-hmm. And why um, do they do that? Why, why are they even mentioning it? Because honestly, when I watched this episode, I didn't even realize Troy wasn't on the episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's just so much going on. It's like a three ring circus. It's like, look over here, look over here. Like you mm-hmm. don't really notice like what's missing. I'll tell you why she wasn't there though. I'm glad you brought that up. So Marina Certis, who plays counselor Troy, um, was one of three women on the show in season one, one of three like main characters. Along with Tasha Yar and um, Dr. Crusher, and they felt they the the show creators and writers felt that three was too many women, which is mm. so ridiculous. Can you mm-hmm. imagine if somebody went, okay, we have a cast of fifteen and three of them are men? That's too many men. That's right. Too many. Right. <laughs> like, what are we? Do? Like, when you flip the genders, it just mm-hmm. is. It's just like yes, of Silly. course, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, they were really trying to like write her out of the show, actually, and um she was going to be written out at the end of season one. Um, and Marina Sirtis has gone on record to say like, she really felt like she was being pushed out of the show because not only was she not in this episode, but she wasn't in two other episodes in season one, which is rare for a main character. Right. Just kind of inexplicably like miss so many, so many, um, like episodes in the first yeah. season.
1: And I will say too, that you know, we've we've put a lot of hate on Counselor Troy so far in this right. season. And I will say if she had, you know, quietly faded from the show, I probably wouldn't have noticed. No. If she just kind of disappeared out of season one, I probably wouldn't have noticed. But the character that she becomes throughout the seasons, she becomes so just irreplaceable. I yes. cannot imagine this show without her. It doesn't even make sense. And so- it would have been a real shame if they had written her out of the show because right. of the direction that they did end up taking her character in and giving her some more usefulness.
0: Oh my God, totally. So the reason that Marina Sirtis was not written out of the show is because Denise Crosby, who plays Yar, ER, left in season one. And so Tim mm-hmm. McFadden, who plays Dr. Crusher. Mm-hmm. Um, so spoiler alert for those of you who um, are watching for the first time with us, like they do leave the show, but um, We'll get to that when we hit that. We'll get to that. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's here's an interesting thing though. Um, in season six, uh, the Enterprise is taken over by this interim captain because there's some emergency somewhere. And she is asked to wear she, Deanna Troy, is asked to wear a regulation uniform. Mm-hmm. And she never changed back to her like non-standard like dresses and pantsuits mm-hmm. or whatever. And Marina Certis, the actress, praised the change in character that came with it. She said in an interview, quote I was thrilled when I got my Regulation Starfleet uniform. It covered up my cleavage and I got all my brains back because when you have cleavage, you can't have brains in Hollywood. I was allowed to do things that I had not been allowed to do for five or six years. I went on away teams. I was in charge of staff. I had my pips back. I had phasers. I had all the equipment again and it was fabulous. So- I don't know. That's really eye-opening to me. Like the way that women are treated in Hollywood is, I mean, Mm -hmm. and and everywhere, but Mm -hmm. that is like, that's right. When she was like the busty, exotic. Beautiful pole dancer slash counselor. Yes. Then she was just able to sense things, but suddenly, you know, she has phasers and she's in charge of staff. She becomes a commander. Like it's right.
1: I mean, yeah. yeah, she actually goes for command training in season, uh, six or seven Mm -hmm. where she there's a scene where she's just like you know what i want to be i want to do command training i want more and i remember seeing that as a kid and being like yeah because i you know i was always like go women you know so i remember being like oh that's so cool like troy's gonna be a captain someday or something like it's just really exciting and um and we do see later on that crusher as well starts taking more command positions and you really do see the women get developed as being um really, really useful. And and Crusher, yeah. you know, let's just say the Crushers keep saving the day, right? <laughs> Dr. Crusher, Wesley, they keep saving the ship every single time. So there was no doubt that that Dr. Crusher was useful, but I think Troy's
0: character was very limited. And yes, I think it, it might have been the cleavage that did it. Especially in season one, she's just next to useless. Um, mm-hmm. She only says one or two things that might anyone else could know be, yeah, that, right 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 like it brought attention to something important but any single person like some some background character could have said that and mm-hmm. then faded into the background and it would have been just as useful all right but anyway that's my rant on troy that's why she's not in this episode i'm really glad that she didn't get written off um mm-hmm. because she becomes such a like important character but totally right, so charise the enterprise is on en route to save some colonists and then we see the net the space net <laughs> that net it's so bad it's so bad. i mean it's really good for 87 for 1987 uh-huh. yeah I, I don't know how i would make a space net now but it looks no. like they oh man it looks it so, actually
1: so kind of reminds me of like mario brothers yeah you know it, it's kind of got that look where it's got that yellow and red and it overlaps and it kind of has like a little bit of a yeah. you do the edge of the colors and you're you know you just feel like it's gonna go <laughs> do 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 do. <laughs> do 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 You know, you kind of go like, uh oh, this is, this
0: is bad news. <laughs> Avoid the mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Run faster. Faster. <laughs> yes. So we see SpaceNet and we go, uh-oh, Q is back and he is, he shows up as a snake or something. Yes. An Aldebaran serpent. I don't know how you know that, but I'm like, so I wrote amazed. it into my notes because I said, <laughs> why is he a ball of
1: light with three steak heads? What is going on? Yeah. And then later on he says, I showed up as an Aldebaran serpent and Riker's like, which is very fitting. Ha ha ha. Oh. And I was like, "Ugh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> shut up Riker. You know what? Shut up. Wesley really should just be made into shut up Riker.
1: <laughs> At least for season one so far. Yeah. Wesley should probably keep talking since he keeps saving the ship. Right okay, Riker is like the
0: least useful person. He's just man spreading in every chair and not coming up with solutions. And this 14 year old boy is like, I don't know, I can make a tractor beam out of a something and save the freaking ship for the fifth time this season alone. Out
1: of my science fair project, I can make a tractor beam that moves the entire ship. Really? Okay. So here's the thing. So Q shows up as this Aldebaran serpent. Right. And the first thing that happens is Yar pulls out her phaser, which is like, why? you? We already know you cannot shoot a Q. And then Worf does this parkour jump over <laughs> yeah, right over the, the banister bridge. of the bridge. And he's like, <laughs> stop right there, you. And then whips out his phaser, which, by the way, costs pres- precious seconds that could have been used to just fire the phaser. Right. But whatever. Yeah, uh, I, uh,
0: also, yeah, you're right. Because you could just stand at the bridge, which is like the high point. Right. Right. So you have a clear field of view. Like, right. why'd you have to jump down closer? You can literally stand anywhere.
1: I don't know the range of a phaser, but they <laughs> seem to always hit their mark. So yeah. you kind of don't even need to move. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that was, that was ridiculous. But I'm going to get into Yar in a second um, when we get a little further down in the episode. But he's, he's just fiddling around and being a turd and playing you know, as a cat would with a mouse. And they're in the middle of this very urgent mission, which actually the urgency of the mission was set up beautifully because you see medical staff rushing around gathering Mm -hmm. supplies. You see Picard going, okay, it's going to be more than 500 people. Are we ready for that? Like Mm there it's urgent. And they, they actually set the tone for that very nicely, Mm -hmm. which made it really frustrating for me to see Q playing tiddlywinks while people are dying. And I was right. like, man, there's no time for this. Like right. they're rushing and you're sitting here like do do playing. Right. So, I
1: think that's supposed to add to the drama as an audience member. I think we're supposed to be like, oh no, Q's playing a game, but there's such, you know, there's such an important mission going on in the background. Stakes However, are high. I almost forgot about their mission during all the crazy weird stuff that was going on with Q. So well, they didn't maintain the tension enough for me to be like, you're right. Keep going. Keep, which they've done in previous episodes where they're like, we got to get there. We got to get there. We got to do some foxy boxing. Cause we got to get there, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, we need the vaccine. right? Yeah, we, yeah, need yeah. The vaccine. we need it. Yeah. You're right. Cause they're not on that planet playing a game like to help the colonists anyway. For any reason. Yeah. Right. So Picard says, we don't have time for your games Q. And of course that's the worst thing you say to a Q. Cause he goes games, games, fabulous. And then he blinks them all off the enterprise onto this planet with a green screen sky. Mm-hmm. Can we, let's just dive into that because I feel like somebody just went, I don't know. We've got a green screen. Why do we need to add a color? <laughs> Which well, that's that's They did. They happen. threw in some twin moons and they said, yep. but Hey guys,
1: it's space. Space can have green skies. So I say yeah. we keep it. It's like, all right. Well, when you see the masks that show up on this, I think they call them soldier things. In the episode, because we like couldn't re Andre and I were talking earlier, we couldn't really figure out were they dogs, were they pigs, were they yeah. they're kinda like human, but they're maybe like furry. Yeah, we we couldn't figure out what
0: <laughs> where know, they got I these party city think, costumes. I don't even think that the costume and makeup people could figure out. Like I feel like 30 years later, they still probably don't know what those were. Yeah. They probably don't even know what they were doing.
1: Yeah. It was that was that was might have been of- better for them to just be faceless you know, like almost mannequin looking, then you'd be like, oh, they're just props in a game.
0: Yes. 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 Note to right.
1: self. Note to self.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, we do. So Q is dressed as a French field marshal,
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: fantastic. Oh, and in, in that whole theme of France, because Picard is of French descent, mm-hmm. doesn't he show up as a Franciscan monk on the bridge? He shows up as a monk,
1: yes. Um, I'm guessing it's Franciscan. Not super knowledgeable on my monk history. So if you are, please send us an email to info at the TNG podcast. Let us know what kind of monk that is. That costume is epic, but we're going to get to the epicness of costumes and stuff. We want to keep going through the, through the plot line. But yes, he shows up as all these French things. And he always refers to Picard as Mon Capitan mm-hmm. because he's like trying to relate to Picard. in this really weird bromance type of way. (laughs) He's always talking way too close to him. And he's always like, we're such buddies. And he oftentimes shows up as a captain, even Mm -hmm. though here he showed up as an admiral and then as a, as a marshal
0: or whatever. As a field marshal. Yeah. As
1: a field marshal. But in later episodes, he usually shows up as a captain and he tries to kind of be like, I'm an equal with you, Picard. We're the same. We're just the same which Picard always rails against and is like, I'm nothing like you. We're nothing alike. Please stop talking to me. We're not friends. (laughs) Lose my number. Don't come by here anymore. Which is actually funny because at the end of this episode, which we'll get to, that's kind of the wager of the bet, right? Is you have to leave humanity alone if if we win this bet. And Q is like, deal, done, done. And I guess the writers forgot that because Q comes back a whole bunch of times. (laughs) He also comes back in Voyager, which is like the next show after this show ends. So, mm. yeah,
0: the continuity isn't super strong here.
1: (laughs) It really isn't, which is maybe for the best because I do really like Q and I like how they brought him
0: back. The Q episodes really are some of my absolute hands down favorite episodes. So, I'm thrilled he keeps coming back. So, he blinks everybody off the bridge onto this planet. And he's dressed as a field marshal in Napoleonic France. So his uniform is spectacular. It has Mm epaulets. It has all these medals. They're in like a, you know, like a field tent, basically. Mm -hmm. It's fabulous. Poor Picard, however, is left alone on the bridge, just wandering around. And I couldn't help but crack up because he's just seems like he's just got this like FOMO moment where he's like, (laughs) what the hell is going on out there? And why didn't he take me? Why am I mm-hmm. here by myself? <laughs> That's very
1: funny. And it's hilarious because he's trying to like open the doors, but all the doors are motion sensor activated. There are actually no doorknobs on the enterprise. So he's waving his hands like, hello, <laughs> hello. And he goes over to the keypad, like computer. And the computer's like, Bleh. And he's like, well, let me push these buttons and the buttons don't work either. And I just, I, you know, I wrote in my notes that this shows the danger of living in a smart home. This right here yes. this exact scene where I'm like oh my gosh I would hate to be Picard stranded on the bridge you can't you can't go to the bathroom you can't get a snack who knows how long she was going to have you there and there's no like you know emergency open for the doors now there is later on in, in future episodes we see this little like suction cup thingy little device yeah that they opened them, but they hadn't thought about that yet. So now he's just screwed. And Data's no not can there. Him, no one
0: can save him. Data's, not, Data's there not there. Jam his fingers in and just mash the door open. right Mhm open
1: it. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Because he Although, has
1: been beamed down to the planet.
0: Speaking of Data, though, I don't know what your thoughts were on this. There's that fantastic moment when, when um, Q is talking to Riker and kind of the rest of the crew as they're sort of behind mm-hmm. him. And yeah. he's saying, we're going to play a game and it's not going to be fair at all. Worf says, is it going to be fair? And he goes, of course not. I'm Q. Like, of course it's not going to be fair. Mm-hmm. And then they see those like pig, dog soldiers. Soldier
1: things, yeah. Yes.
0: And then Riker Speak asks a question to Data, and Data turns around, and it's Q in yeah. Data-like makeup. What was yeah. your thought on that? Because I know Data's your favorite. Like, what'd you Yeah, think I
1: thought that was so fun. I always like when they do like full-on character swaps. I just yeah. think, that's, I think that's just so fun and so creative. And then it's like, oh no, what have you done with Data? And like, he's a Q, so who knows? Why are we are asking questions that make no sense in this yeah. context? Yeah. I, I will say too that mm-hmm. like it before that, when he's kind of just talking to them and telling Riker the rules of this unfair game, he gives them all a drink, including data. And I was so curious as to what <laughs> was in his drink because Data. Lubricant. Exactly. Like 10 W forty engine oil. <laughs> it has to be because he said, I have your favorite drinks here. And I was like, how does Data even have a favorite drink when he doesn't even need to drink anything ever? So I don't know. But, but-
0: later in the series, Data does eat food, I think, with people or something. I think he drinks drinks or eats I don't know. If there's yeah, I takes in some way. I don't
1: think so. He's always in 10 forward.
0: He's around people who
1: eat. And I think he can process food and drinks. However, he doesn't need to. Yeah. So to say here's your favorite drink, I was kinda like, what maybe it was just a nice drink
0: cool glass of wd-40
1: perhaps perhaps (laughs) and my favorite part though of that scene is how wharf looks at him dead in the eyes pours out his drink slowly and then smashes the glass (laughs) i was just like yeah way to show him that you are not playing this game
0: (laughs) too bad you are though (laughs) i know (laughs) i know right so he goes sprinting along the ridges Right and finds this like camp of those ridiculously
1: masked. Right, and we learned that Worf has super speed, which I didn't remember because he he never. Yeah, he's running so fast that he runs like over the mountain ridges, goes to the camp of the soldier things, and turns around and runs all the way back before the soldiers even realize he's there. Oh, and Jordy keeps saying, "Wow, he's moving so fast! Whoa, he's already over the third crest! Oh my gosh, he's turned around! He's here already!" And I was like. Wait, Worf has super speed? I don't think that's like a Klingon trait. I think that was something <laughs> they were thinking to, to add in to the warrior repertoire. Right. But you never see that man run again for the next seven seasons. You know, so... this was a very physical
0: episode for him. He was parkouring over the bridge panel. <laughs> he was sprinting <laughs> around some planet. Worf was getting his freaking workout in, man. He, he got his 10,000 steps, that's for sure. <laughs> Fitbit, His Fitbit was like, beep, beep. you did it for the day. <laughs>
1: okay anyway. yeah so
0: they get to the camp with the <laughs> soldier things yes yeah, so oh also in that moment when Worf dumps out his drink and all that yeah. Tasha says you you go too far or she said something she had some outbursts because she's a right. hothead right and Q goes penalty box and zips her away mm-hmm. and I just thought to myself man Q really really has it out for Tasha because in an encounter at far point. <laughs> throws her solid. Yep. And now he's putting her in the penalty box. Yep. So I think if Q really wanted to get a good look at humanity, he would not even bother looking twice at Tasha. He just, he can't mm-hmm. even, he
1: can't even be bothered with it. He her. can't stand the sight of her, clearly. now. <laughs> clearly. Um, he's got some issues with, with Yar specifically.
0: Yes. Yeah, so we're back on the Enterprise and uh, Picard realizes that he's not alone on the bridge. Tasha Yar is there. hmm And she's in the penalty box, which somehow she seems to know that there's only mm-hmm. one space in the penalty box. So if mm-hmm. somebody else gets penalized, she sort of ceases to exist. Mm-hmm. And then she has a meltdown.
1: Mm-hmm. And actually, I will say, it was a very sweet moment because Tashiar is such a strong character. See, So you don't really see her break down much because that doesn't really make sense for your head of security to be boohoo crying all the time. Right, right. Um, but to see her crying, part of me was like, wow, she's like such a talented actress. Like that she has yeah. this range to just like, Turn it on. So she's just like, I know, I know if someone else comes, I'm gone. And you're just like, whoa, like I actually felt sorry for the character yeah. as she was doing that scene. And I was really impressed. At the same time, I was a little bit like, does she need to cry? Like just because she, we've already had Troy crying, like crying her eyes out for episode after episode. <laughs> now we've got, you know, Yara up here, Boohoo crying, which doesn't fit her character at all, but no. it was kind of nice to see another dimension of her. And then we get this really tender moment where Picard puts his hand on her shoulder and is just like you know I'm making a new rule for the bridge if one is in the penalty box one is allowed to cry yeah and I thought that was that was really sweet and that also showed a different dimension of Picard not just this kind of stodgy boss but kind of as a human not a robot I thought that was nice
0: well but then I feel like that was like that sweet moment was cut short by Yar being like if you weren't my captain which made me gag.
1: I was like, (laughs) what? Cause I always pictured it as like a daughter father relationship is how it was in my head. And so when she was like, if you weren't my captain, I was like, you already slept with data. Let's just leave it at a right. bridge officer. Yara, for now, she was, already,
0: she was already going back to her quarters to get the I Dream of Genie outfit out again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and like, then you would see a card oddly waving. Not now, Tasha. <laughs> she was
0: That's like, a- "Let me just get my hair gel and put my curl back on my forehead, and I'll be right back." So here's my thought on the on the crime. Yeah. I felt like it was, for me, it didn't feel like such a sweet moment. It just felt a little cringy. And we've all been in that position where we we were crying about something and we're also annoyed at ourselves for crying about it, right? Mm -hmm. So you're like angry at yourself um, for crying about it. Mm -hmm. So I could see that, but I feel like you're right. That was so out of character for her. My suspicion is- that they kind of forgot that Troy was written out of this episode mm-hmm. and they sort of wrote that part for Troy. And I
1: would went, bet that's true 100%. Right?
0: And then they went, oops, she's not in this episode. We'll just assign it to the other woman because they're all the same. So, yep. Whatever. whatever. Any woman cry, it's the same effect. Yeah. Which yep. I mm-hmm. call BS on. It's-
1: However, I'm glad that it was Yar hitting on Captain Picard and not Troy because that would have just been even more weird yeah I
0: don't know why why would that have been more weird but I agree with you it's more weird
1: because she's got the whole thing for Riker going on that we're all very aware of yeah and they definitely have like a very close because she's his personal counselor at this point in the show yeah they have a very close, kind of a sacred bond between them. So for that to get romantic just weirds me
0: out. Yeah. Also, you would be disbarred.
1: <laughs> True. And he's got a thing for Crusher. And it's like, True. I don't know if she knows that at this point, but it just would be, it would be weird. It, yeah,
0: you're right. I think it, I, and I agree with you. I couldn't put my finger on why, but um, yeah, I think you're right. All right. So we're back on the planet and Q and Riker are actually having a conversation at some point. We're going a little bit out of order, but whatever.
1: Right. Let's tell them why why what the game is.
0: So the game is essentially or what the point of it is. I mean, I don't even know what the point is. You yeah, so go, we don't know the point of it. Let's see how you do, but but really the whole gist of it is the Q are concerned that mm. humans have this need to learn and change and grow. Mm. And as as primitively as they saw humans in Encounter at Far Point, they realized that humans have this very scary potential to grow and evolve and one day in a very, very distant future, even outstrip the Q continuum. Mm -hmm. So I think what he was doing is trying to get a feel for how can you learn and adapt to like this very unfair game I'm going to play with you guys. Right. Yes.
1: And the way that he went about doing that was by granting Riker the power of the Q and then forcing him to use it. And so the wager he makes with Picard is that I bet Riker's not going to be able to resist this godlike power.
0: Mm-hmm. He's going to
1: become one of us, one of us. And Picard <laughs> is like, no, he will definitely be able to resist. I completely trust him. And they make this little wager. And uh, Q says, well, if I'm right, then you're no longer in command of the Enterprise. I am. And Picard goes, well, <laughs> if I'm right, then you leave our crew and you never disturb humanity again. So that's, that's what's on the table here. These are the stakes people along with all those people dying on that colony.
0: Right, and who cares about them? Cuz we're They're playing right. a game now. We're playing a game. <laughs> well, so so here's my question though. Why would that make sense to try to get like a feel for humanity by just giving them your powers? Like what's that going to do? And yeah. as a Q continuum, if you're saying okay, we've looked into the future and we can see, you know, 15,000 years from now humans will outstrip even the Q, mm-hmm. why would you give like this this person who's at a very very primitive stage still? your power. Like, what's that going to do? Like 15,000 years from now, are you going to be like, no, no, no. Remember Riker. And they're going to be like, oh, mm, mm-hmm. like, what right. Does that do? There's a,
1: there are a couple plot holes. We got a couple plot holes <laughs> going on, including the one that you brought up off camera, which was that the reason why Q picked Riker was because he said he was really impressed with him when he met him in the first episode, which is yes. Encounter at Farpoint. And Andrea astutely pointed out that these two characters never met in encounter at Farpoint. Oh. At no point did these two individuals speak to each other. So we got a few plot holes going on. We can't answer those big questions. Like why, what's going on? Um, but we can talk about the rest of the episode. <laughs>
0: there you go. Yeah. See, I'm going to start getting like upset at the fact that we don't know <laughs> why they're even playing the game. Why would you give the power of Q to a human at this stage of their development? Mm-hmm. Why? W- there's just a lot of whys and I mm-hmm. wish that the writers would address it, but whatever it's season one, there's a lot of growing pains. Yeah, And I, and I assume that people just loved the Q storyline so much that they were like, let's just give yeah. them a Q. cue.
1: because it's fun. It's fun. It's like, even though we're already in a sci-fi show, let's just take it totally off the rails and yeah. do just bizarre things because we can.
0: Yeah. So where are we at this point in the episode, Cherise? Do, do you know? So
1: at this point, yes, we've made, we've made the wager. And so they're both like, agreed, agreed. And then yeah. Riker gets the power of the Q. Now they're all in terrible mortal danger back at the Mm planets and um, Q, you know, beams down there and, uh, the, uh, soldier things show up suddenly. And, um, Jordy's feeling kind of confident because he's like, Hey, they're carrying muskets from like France, however many, I don't know, thousands of years ago. And we've got phasers, like their range is what, like 10 feet or whatever. Um how much did, what was the actual 100 yards, of A hundred yards. yards, which for me is like ten feet compared to a phaser, which apparently is limitless because it's, really it's really a laser that kills you. Um and light goes on forever. So
0: like be ah, fine. This is why scientists need to discuss things like phasers because <laughs> a laser beam could shoot in like in forever distance. Yeah. Forever, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so then so then these soldier things come and they're like, ah, we got it. And then they reach down and realize that Q has taken away all their phasers. And they're Mm like, "Uh uh-oh, not only that, turns out the muskets are also phasers. And you're like, ooh. They're phaser rifles. Which makes sense because Q said, this isn't going to be a fair game. Where's the fun in that? So uh, Worf, being the warrior that he is, runs out to engage them in hand-to-hand combat. His Klingon skills against like 15 soldier things with musket, Phasers, sure. So he <laughs> takes down exactly one of them, and then is summarily stabbed with the pointy part of the musket. And the you're bayonet. like, oh, yeah, the bayonet. And you're like, that kind of stuff. I'm sorry. Did you just say the pointy part? Yeah, the pointy <laughs> part.
0: The pointy part because you know those guns have oh, the pointy sure part. Is. The other it's ones a don't. bayonet. They had clearly fixed bayonets. Okay.
1: <laughs> they had clearly affixed Bayonets, which (laughs) summarily ended Worf's existence on that planet. And who rushes in to save Worf? None other than Wesley Crusher, who of course, why wouldn't he save Worf of all things? He's saved the ship so many times already. Sure. Why not? So he runs out. He doesn't actually try to defend Worf. He doesn't try to fight off. The bad guys. Instead, he runs and kneels over Worf to say, "Oh no, I'm so sad you're dead." Turning yes. his back to the bad guys, and yep. then also getting stabbed, getting by
0: bayoneted in the securely back, securely
1: affixed bayonet. <laughs> <laughs> to which Riker responds by saving everyone in a spectacular yes. flash of light. And he and says, them damn all it back to hell,
0: as he saves them all. Mm-hmm. And he does this like backwards hand sort of waving motion. Yeah, I think that's like,
1: how you flip off people in, in like Italy or something. Isn't that
0: the, Is the flip off sign? He, just, uh, for those of you who are watching these episodes with us, I want you guys to like pay particular attention to that because he does this like weird sort of like, it's almost like you're waving hello to someone, but your palm is turned towards your face. And I thought Q doesn't do that. Like, no, why are you but doing we, do that see,
1: we do see, we do see- in future episodes, when the Q comes back and there's different Q powers, there's always some kind of body gesture to activate the Q power. Yeah, like so a, that was that was a, Riker's- A
0: snap or- a, Like
1: a snap yeah. or like a blink or, you know, an I Dream of genie head nod or something. <laughs> so this was Riker's version of activating the powers. Otherwise, if he just like did nothing, we as viewers wouldn't know that that power was coming straight uh, from him. Oh, that's true, that's true. He needs to do something
0: ridiculous. So we're like, oh wow, Riker did that. Riker did it. So Riker's back on the ship he saved everyone and he's staring down at Picard like i am a god now and i thought this is not at all in line with the riker that we know the riker that's like fiercely mm-hmm. loyal to his captain mm-hmm. the riker that is all about duty and rank and all that so he knows like the what riker his place- that was
1: literally brown-nosing captain picard in the last episode oh my that god. we reviewed
0: with the Picard maneuver.
1: <laughs> right. Where he's just like, Oh, you did it first, sir. It was yeah. you, sir. And yeah. now all of a sudden he's just like, who are you? Yes. I'm a Q. Yes. It's just, and he's
0: being such a complete jerk, like yeah. immediately. And, and Picard has the infinite knowledge that he does mm-hmm. and says, look, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So with more power comes more spider-man. So, can you keep <laughs> Can you keep your powers in check because it's going to corrupt your character and he goes, "Absolutely, Jean-Luc," or something like that. Does he call him Jean-Luc at this point or is it no, not until later? No, no, at
1: this point they're like he's like, "I promise you, sir. I promise I won't use it." At this point he's not he's not, you know, a mean girl yet. He's just <laughs> going, "I promise I won't do it. I can control myself. I just need to save everybody. That's all." So, now the space net goes away. And turns out they're back on course. They have never changed course at any point. Hugh just paused time and just restarted time. So they arrive at the colony. And remember, this colony is in terrible peril. There was some horrible explosion or something. They were preparing all the extra cargo bays and whatnot right, to, to right. have all these different patients coming in. So they beam down to the planet. And here we get to see Data's awesome power, the human crowbar, where he's just like opening yes. up doors. This is what, I this love is what Picard needed earlier.
0: I love when data wrenches the doors open. That's so satisfying. It's so awesome.
1: It's so awesome. Yeah. And um you see all these people and they're just kind of like, where's everybody else? This colony was supposed to have so many people that we needed huge teams to rescue. And it was like
0: it was like twelve people or
1: something. Yeah, they said we're we're all that's left. Like everyone else had died by the time they get there, even though they were, you know, still on course or whatever, including a little girl who's trapped under some rubble that um data frees the rubble. I think it was Data who was pulling off the rubble, but finds this little girl, and Riker is so heartbroken to see this tiny little that was really body.
0: sad. It was super sad, and it was like really like did it have to be a kid? But I mean yes. That, that, and then and then Beverly goes, "If only we had gotten here sooner." And you're like, "Oh, she yeah. like just died." Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. It's super sad. So then they
1: you know save the twelve people who were still surviving from this entire colony they go back up to the ship and that's when riker is a total snot he talks to picard and <laughs> picard's just like yeah he's like so give me your report on let me let me talk sir you know totally cuts him off and is just like i could have saved that little girl but i couldn't because of a promise i made to you <laughs> like okay I, like i i understand i'm really sorry that you feel that way but you know and he just walks away he's such just a like cheesy we'll talk line about this later. by the way
0: such a cheesy line i've been prohibited by a promise. Like, oh my mm. God, this is so effing tacky. Like Yeah. writers, writers.
1: Well, they get better. We, They all get better. <laughs> this is why we're doing a podcast on this show because it gets super That's good. That's true.
0: Yeah. For those of you watching with us, um, bear with us because season one is it's a rough un- ride. Universally hated season. And then season two, things get better and then season three through seven it's like a magical journey so (laughs) season one's a little bumpy as you said but yeah so Riker is now being a complete dick he (laughs) turns his back (laughs) on Picard while he's speaking super rude while he's speaking and then gets back in the turbo lift and like turbo lifts away Mm -hmm. and they have this meeting on the bridge Mm -hmm. and they he says, what does he say? He says, thanks for coming or something. He says something like, thank, thank you for all
1: showing up to this meeting that I've called. He says something like that. And Picard's like, no, no, no. I've allowed this meeting to happen because you have a very big decision to make and we want to support you. And it was just like, and you know, records just kind of like, hmm fine. If you want, if that's your, how you want to say it or whatever, it's just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's how I want to say it. I'm the captain. That's how, (laughs) that's exactly how I'm going to say it. But they don't do that. That's kind of, that's all subtext.
0: Picard Picard is such a boss in this scene because he's like, he's like, correction. Number one, I've called this meeting. It's like, yes, Mm Jean-Luc. I was like doing the little snaps. I was like, don't let let him tell you what's up on your own ship. Okay. Q or no Q.
1: Mm -mm." That's right. (laughs)
0: You so may be Q the Q but that. I'm the RST right and all the other letters so back up <laughs> but I'm the A through Z. You yeah. got one letter buddy.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a that's going to be in our first rap song. We're going to have that whole thing like amazing for you guys. Anyways, um and that's not true. So don't look for that. We're not <laughs> No, no,
0: no, no, no. Our gift never. to you will be to never do something like that.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. So um so then Q, you know, pops onto the bridge and it's like, okay, so now Riker has this choice to make. Is he going to use the Q powers and become a member of the continuum or whatever is going to happen? Because we don't know what actually happens if he accepts these powers forever. right? Or is he going to say, you know what? No, I want to be a human and I'm going to reject these powers. So that's where we find ourselves now is he's on the bridge with the whole, you know, all the main characters and he's got to decide whether or not he wants to use these Q powers.
0: Yeah. So he gives these quote unquote gifts um, he gives Wesley. Can I mention that they're gifts nobody asked for? Yes. Which are oh like my not
1: fun gifts. FYI, oh my God. Can,
0: can I talk? Let me just unload for a second about that. I love my mom dearly. She like loves giving people surprises, mm-hmm. but her surprises are sometimes things that are a long term, like I painted your house for you, and you're like, oh, and it's like <laughs> a lemon yellow or some color that you're like, that's not what I, oh man, uh-huh. like, that's like but then she's like, you like it, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yep. and then you're honey, like, I love it. Yeah, honey, we're stuck with a lemon yellow house. Actually, no, she did do a couple things like that. We were remodeling our kitchen, and she goes, I got you a dishwasher, surprise, and it was this like horrific like pea soup baby uh-huh. vomit color, uh-huh. and I went. That doesn't match anything in the uh-huh. kitchen. And when I mentioned that, of course, she was mortally offended, like a Q. Right,
1: right. And it I was, was like, a very, it was a thoughtful gift. Had you been looking for a puke green dishwasher, <laughs> that would have been the perfect gift. Yes. Yeah. And so Riker takes it upon himself yeah. to determine which gifts people want, because he says he knows them so well. He knows exactly what they want. And because in the served, is saying, they, no,
0: no, 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 please don't give me anything. Exactly seven missions together. So
1: he knows them so like well the back of his hand. And they're all <laughs> saying, please don't give us anything. We really don't want you to use your power. And he goes, no, no, no. I know you do.
0: So I'm going to give you some gifts. Yes. And he does the backwards hand thing and he turns Wesley into an adult
1: mm-hmm. which... with the same awesome rainbow sweater. Oh, I love that rainbow
0: sweater. <laughs> So much. Will Wheaton posted a picture on Instagram of a hoodie sweatshirt that was that. Like Uh it had the rainbow like shoulders Uh and I just died.
1: Did he put Throwback Thursday underneath?
0: I have no idea, but I happened to see it because um, our podcast- Instagram page, the TNG podcast, we follow Will Wheaton and, and mm-hmm. a bunch of the other cast members and stuff. Yeah. And I and saw Will's that page
1: is pretty funny. You it is it pretty funny. Too. It really it's is. Like the, it's, it's the will, it's the real will or something like that. I don't know. You can Google it.
0: Something like that. But anyway, it, he was wearing that sweatshirt and I went, Oh my gosh. And then I saw a picture of him that he had taken at some, like, con or like special panel or something and they actually took out of like the vault the original uniform that he wears on the show the rainbow color ones and he was yeah. holding it up and he's like it doesn't fit yet or it doesn't fit anymore but it's still good to see it so that was like super cute i was like oh well wheaton we love you we do but anyway so he turns him into a grown-up which looks nothing like him they couldn't <laughs> even get a guy with brown hair like they got like a blonde guy. Like I don't know. His hair was his hair was
1: black or something. He was he was male. His hair was darkened. I, no. He, had, it, he, his his like, voice, it was I like think dirty. Was exactly blonde. The same, though.
0: It was like dirty blonde hair. I feel oh, like okay. the guy just went surfing a bunch and got his hair like bleached by the sun and they were like, that's close enough. But like it didn't look anything like him. Didn't look anything like him.
1: <laughs> that's fair. Oh. That's fair. So he gives he gives that to, to Wesley, the gift of being older, which is something he does want because he wants to be a member of Starfleet and he wants to be taken seriously and not be called the boy all the time. So that kind of sort of makes sense. Um, One thing I think is weird is I think they kept, like, Wesley's voice and he was, like, dubbing over this guy's voice. I think so, too. And I was like, wait, you made him a grown man, but you didn't have have him go through puberty?
0: Like, (laughs) you're really not being detail-oriented. I need you to work with this
1: cute power a little better.
0: This is Tom Hanks' movie Big. You're yeah. in an adult body, but you're still a child. So how freaking uncomfortable is that going to be mm-hmm. when you're? But at like, least
1: Tom Hanks had a grown-up's voice. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah,
0: you just have, you just have like weird Wesley Crusher's kid voice. Still. It's weird. So it doesn't go over that well. And then Riker gives Jordy the power of sight. Mm-hmm. And when uh, Jordy takes off his visor it was like such a strikingly different look. Like mm-hmm. I had, for, I just often forget that he's wearing this idiotic banana clip across his face mm-hmm. because it just kind of becomes like, it just becomes like background noise to me. Like it's mm-hmm. just part of his whole ensemble. It's,
1: just, it's such an iconic look, that, yeah. that visor. It's such an iconic yes. look. And from a few of our guests we've had so far, they were obsessed with the visor as mm-hmm. kids. So it's so iconic that when LeVar Burton, the actor who plays Geordie LaForge, takes off the visor, and his eyes look totally normal. And now he just looks like LeVar Burton. You're like, who's that? You know, yeah. and, and I, you know, Andre and I were laughing about this off camera where I was saying it's kind of like the Clark Kent effect mm-hmm. where like, you know, Clark Kent just like takes his glasses off and you're like, oh, it's Superman. Totally changed. Yes. You know, and it's like, yes. that's kind of what's going on with Jordy here. He takes off the visor and you're like, who's that dude?
0: Yeah. We are so used to seeing Jordy with the visor that when he takes it off, it's, it's just not him anymore. Um, but what's
1: interesting is when he takes it off in future episodes, his eyes are always covered with like white contacts. Yes. They look almost like, almost like eyes for someone who has glaucoma where it's kind of cloudy. Yes. Yes. But he has this ability to see so many things that people with quote unquote normal vision can't see like infrared and all kinds of stuff that I kind of felt like, wow, Riker, did you really give him something or did you kind of take something away? Right.
0: Cause like, I can't see an infrared and exactly. ultraviolet. See
1: inter- he can see energy patterns. He can be like, there's some energy pattern coming from over there. Right. Like he and can as- see cracks in walls. If it's all, you know,
0: electrified. And, and or whatever. as we, as we saw in the battle, he could look like into machines.
1: Right. Right. And so now he can just like see. <laughs> and so I was kind of like, Oh, was that a gift though? Uh-uh. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, so Jordy says, please make me the way I was. I really mm-hmm. don't like who I would have to thank for this, which, hey, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I feel like Q would just be popping in on me all the time to be like, yep. remember when I gave you Sight, you owe me. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Um, And then he gives Worf a woman, which made me want to vomit. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just, yeah. it, like, I just went, this is like toxic masculinity 101 right here. Like, let me give you a female sex slave. It I was, just barf.
1: yeah, it was truly one of the most awful moments, probably the most, except for we've had two super racist episodes that I hate a lot as well, but I'm going <laughs> to add this to them because I can't really order which one I hate more. So I'm going to say <laughs> it is equally awful, this scene where Worf gets this sex slave who starts growling and hissing and they start growling at each other. And I was like, wait a minute, since when do Klingons not have a language? Since when do they talk to each other with growls right, they're and hisses? So Is primitive. it was in the original series? They're so yeah, primitive. I, yeah. And so I was just like, wait, what happened to like, you know, we even say in our show description that there are fans out there and some of you guys are listening who actually speak Klingon. You speak that language. So I'm like, right. what the it's, heck? It's like, like a, it's they like have a it language yet. with definable terms. Yeah. With like syntax and everything. So I was like... <laughs> I was like disappointed. And then she goes to take a swipe at Yar and Worf responds by backhanding her all the way down. And causing little... her to go
0: like freaking flying backwards.
1: I was like, what the heck just went on? Did he really just backhand a woman and she's just flying through the air? And <laughs> why is nobody saying anything? Yeah. Well, two things. One thing is she he backhanded her because she made a threatening move towards Yar. Listen to me, Worf. Yara is the head of security. She could take care of herself. Yeah. You don't need to do all that. She could take care of her darn self. She's you to could pull a phaser on Hugh. She could pull a phaser on her. You could just put your arm out and be like, no. <laughs> you, could, you could you could hold her you could hold her shoulders and make her step back one step. But you backhand her and make her go flying. I was just so horrified and shocked. And then the reaction from everyone else in the crew to just be like, doop, 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 doop.
0: doop." At no point did Picard go, Mr. War, if you know how he does that tone. He never, nobody says. Or Beverly. Or anybody. Nobody says jack shit. And the woman recovers and clearly was into it. And I'm like, right. What? So I understand so then it and turned into some S and M moment. Yes, it totally like, was. What? It totally was. So, and listen, if you practice S and M, if that's your thing, Hey, more power to you. As long as everybody is like consenting and there's some sort of like safe word or whatever yeah. you do, you knock yourselves yeah. out, but there was no not... safe
1: word going on. There, right was... Here.
0: <laughs> there was nothing. And, and he just... they had no words.
1: They only had growling and hissing. This yes. is the problem. If you're yes. going to do S and M as a Klingon, y'all need some languages.
0: Like you need words. I'm sorry. So, yeah. We're going to have to take that sentence and put that on some merchandise. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's going to be on every t-shirt we sell and lunchbox <laughs> and, and whatever. All like. the appropriate places. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway,
0: so this happens
1: and disgusting. I'm like
0: horrified, but and the only thing that anybody says is, is Jordy. And he goes, Worf, is this your version of sex? Why mm. is that the thing that you say? how can that be? Also the way she was dressed was like just lingerie with like metal attached to it. And I went, Oh, mm-hmm. come on. I mean, I get it was the eighties. It was, but I think like... this was their first time having
1: a female Klingon on the show ever. So <sighs> they just... were still kind of figuring out like, what do they look like? What would they dress like? Especially as a sex slave, they should probably look sexy somehow.
0: I guess, I guess so. But Worf responds to Jordi's question and he says, yes, it is sex, but I have no time for it in my life. And no I went, place for it, because or no place for it
1: to me, because I am not a part of that world anymore.
0: And I just thought, can't you have sex with like a human? Like <laughs> what? Right? Why are you or like in your off hours? Off. Yeah. Why mm-hmm. are you writing sex off for your whole life? Like that? Because doesn't...
1: this actually comes up a lot, where Worf says he can only have sex with a Klingon woman because they are the only ones who can handle the vigorous nature oh, of Klingon Lord. lovemaking. The so this is like, apparently. Yeah, and actually, that is also a theme that comes up in uh in voyager where they talk about some of the practices when it comes to klingons and you know their romantic endeavors where they do use like pain sticks and different kinds oh, of yeah, 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 s m right. in it so they took this awful moment of backhanding a woman full in the face and then they just kind of Ugh. weaved it in to the culture which the way they weave it in it's like oh that's fine because that sounds like that's what you do in your private time but this moment this moment was awful so anyways this moment happens yeah no one reacts over
0: it's over, and everybody basically says, take the gifts back because we don't want them. They suck. They're all sucky gifts. Riker goes, wow,
1: how did you know, sir? And now he's back to being the brown noser we know and love, um, <laughs> who actually changes to not be a brown noser in the future, FYI. Yes, yes. But, um, but at this point, he turns back into the brown noser we, we currently know and love, and he says, how did you know, sir? And he goes, um, I feel like such a fool. And then Picard goes, as well, you should. That is the end of the conversation. Correct. You should feel like a fool because you've been acting like a fool.
0: Yes, that's right. That's right. He basically puts him in his place and I love it. I love it. So Q failed Mm -hmm. in his mission to turn one of the humans into a Q. I guess that was his mission, which still not super clear, but whatever. So the Q continuum sucks him away Mm -hmm. and he's got some explaining to do.
1: And he's screaming and writhing as he gets sucked away. Yes.
0: He's going, no, no, no. And then they pull him away. So you go, oh, so I guess you can feel pain, but that's irrelevant. What's most important is that Riker has just been acting like a total jerk to everybody. Mm -hmm. But the moment Q is gone, he's like, all right, so should we set course for Starbase, like 212 or whatever? Like, mm-hmm. Let's just go. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would need some downtime to be like, let me go to my quarters and like really think this about my actions or something. It's a moment
1: where we need Counselor Troy because he would need some counseling at this point. We would all, like everybody on that bridge You've would need some counseling at this unlimited point. Unlimited
0: powers and now they've been taken away and you're mm. mortal again. Do your job like that doesn't? Yeah. Whatever. There's so many plot holes in this episode. I guess maybe I shouldn't get too hung up on that. But the the (laughs) the good thing is there's no moral of the story in this episode that I'm aware of. Which was nice. Which was nice. It was just like, and that's
1: that. I think there was um, there was actually a moral of the story. There was because this whole episode,
0: the whole episode was a (laughs) moral. No, no,
1: (laughs) no, because it would need like a clear plot for that. But the whole episode was like a quote battle. Right. They were quoting every mm. author, every written, ever whoever wrote anything. So it was just a this big quote battle between um mostly Picard and Q, but I think Riker even had a quote here or there. And then uh-huh. at the very end, Picard closes it out with a quote. Um uh-huh. and I don't remember what the quote is. I just wrote in my notes, uh, another moral of the story. <laughs> so I didn't even write what the quote was. It was just like, come on, guys.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad that they ditched the moral of the story after. Mm-hmm. Some po- I don't At some think point. it went I don't think it went all the way through season one, but some point they just went, listen, Let's we're not gonna resolve it. And yeah. we're just
1: gonna see the ship sail off into the distance. And yeah, that's
0: it. and that's fine, and we're good with that. So mm-hmm. so um gosh, as we close out this episode, do you have any final thoughts on it?
1: If you see a space net, run. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be my final thought.
0: What about you? Um gosh, I don't know if I would um be able to, to give back the powers of the Q once I had them. Like if you give me the Q powers, I would probably do a lot of good things for a lot of people. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd use it for like evil or Mm -hmm. stealing or anything like that, but I'd be like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to keep these, but Mm -hmm. you can't use your Q powers. Well, I'm a Q so I can do what I want. Right. (laughs) Right. I don't think I'd give them back. So actually I want to throw this question out to all of our listeners and I'm going to put this up on our Instagram at the TNG podcast. If you had the power of the Q, what would you do with it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'd really like to see what what our listeners might throw out there. I think the funnier the better, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, bonus points for humor.
0: We yes. like to laugh here at the TNG podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we noticed. <laughs> we do actually in the cast's 30th anniversary panel, which is um, up on our website and part of our welcome aboard packet for um, the crew members who sign up for our mailing list. Uh, John DeLancey was actually asked by an audience member, if you could use the power of the cue to just go annoy somebody, who would it be? And he said, Donald Trump, which made me just love him so much more.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness.
0: Oh, that just made me crack up. I went, thank you, John DeLancey. We need more people like you.
1: (laughs) These characters are just so fun.
0: They are. They are. Well, I feel like we've kind of done it. Right? <laughs> yep, sounds good to me. It's not my favorite episode. It's certainly my least favorite Q episode, but whatever. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Next week, we're going to review season one, episode 10 entitled Haven. See you next time. Bye.
1: Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at the TNGpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. See you next time.